0: To a brand new episode of Creators Outlet with our special guest tonight, returning guest John Hervey from uh, it, the the books. You know the books: Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Manga in the Posse, and many, many more from Beyond Time Inc. That's right. Back, man. I was still be back, with well, Beyond Time Inc., will. and then I forgot where it
1: was. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's everywhere. Beyond Time is everywhere.
0: Like Saguaro Fair,
1: exactly. Yeah. See, I know that. I know that reference. My <laughs> kids have no idea what Saguaro Fair is. I actually, I actually did that Fair is everywhere, and they're just like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, I know." I'm so disappointed, man. It's good. To, it's good to be on your show again. Appreciate you having me on, brother. Yeah,
0: well, you know, I had to have you back on after we made Chris getting a red dress on uh, on, the, on the Sugar Chris and Sim show there.
1: Yeah, that was uh, unexpected history. I that, I did not expect us to be making history like that. Um, and and uh, Chris very quickly um, got very comfortable in that red dress. Yep.
0: He was he was like shopping at Target and tucking tucking his junk. So
1: <laughs> I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> It's like
0: at least once a week I comment in his chat of uh, "sugar, you look like you buy your Bud Light at Target."
1: <laughs> hey, his his, uh, his his show demographic is going to change.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Hey, Gingy,
1: what's up, Ging? Gingy Gingerton in the house,
0: just in time to talk Tuck and Junk.
1: Yeah, your timing is impeccable, Jake.
0: As always. <laughs> in case you missed it, the other uh, last week, uh, John was on uh, with uh, Sugar Chris and Sim. and uh, Chris was mad that nobody had jumped in to back the back some of the books. He goes, "If anybody backs at anything right now." I, I sensed it in the air. Mm-hmm. I'll open up the dress. I have it right here and put it on. It's going to be a good backing. Okay, so I digitally backed every book that John's got available right now. <laughs> and, and Chris got real comfortable in that dress.
1: Oh, he got real comfortable, brother.
0: Must have gone well with his silk boxers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And by boxers i mean g-string
1: yeah <laughs> i was trying i was trying not to think about that too much <laughs>
0: i think he wears it backwards but we'll just go on <laughs> so what do we want to talk about first i know you have uh, black tiger hidden dragon volume two coming up
1: yes sir so yeah. just Let's so if you want to that talk first. that we uh i just basically released the uh pre-launch list Nice. So this is the uh, this is the premiere of that right here, right here on Creators Outlet. Got the premiere of the uh, of the pre-launch list. So um, you go to the list, get volume two, You know you can get signed up for volume two. Volume two will um, also make you eligible for some some pretty cool stuff. I've got. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone that signs up and backs something. Oh dear, Gingy! <laughs> oh no, Gingy! <laughs> was that was that Chris looking in the mirror, or yeah? Probably. I mean, but Gingy does have he does have the red hair, so yeah, yeah. Um, so what what I want to do with this campaign because this campaign is the culmination of a, a lot of work and a, and a lot of years. Yeah. So this will be. This is the equivalent of the 10th, 11th, and 12th issues of Black Tiger. And it's and it's completing the Hidden Dragon, um, basically, that story arc. So now the full body of Black Tiger is about 326 pages. So, oh, nice. so there's a good amount of content there. Um, this story is a really fast-paced story because I basically used the first 10 issues to really lay the groundwork so now we really start running there is a ton of martial arts in the story the the pace really picks up moves a lot faster um i enjoyed the pacing of the other books but now we're starting to unlock some of the secrets uh behind the black tiger um man i'll tell you as the story goes on i'm enjoying it more and more and i'm still i'm still even when i go back and read the the like you know legacy of fury in the first volume I'm, i'm you know, I, I, th- I like the way it set the stage for where we are now. So like my, my suggestion is to go ahead and sign up on the list, because if you sign up on the list and you do a physical backing, I have a number of things. I want to make sure that everyone that does that gets something, whether I have uh, I have some some surplus shirts. Um, so I have some black tiger shirts, um, prints and posters some prints. Uh, so I wanna make sure that people get cool stuff if they're gonna take the time to get on the list and then go ahead and back.
0: So Gingy, since you're in the chat, uh, I just dropped the link in the chat. So click on that You can you can sign up so you can find out more. And I know you're gonna wanna have John on the Gingy and Pedro show.
1: That's a no brainer, that's
0: got to happen. Look at me and like I used to work in radio and junk.
1: Right? <laughs>
0: <coughs> so let's take a look at this. Yes, sir. Tiger. Hi, tiger.
1: That's that's all that's all I'm giving right now. Um, the book is fully uh, fully penciled and inked. Um, it is two thirds colored and one third lettered. <clears throat> so it's well along the way in the production cycle. Nice. So it's once
0: again you, uh, Rod Looper on uh, right. pencils and inks. That's right. And uh, Ramirez Vieira on mm-hmm. colors.
1: So we got. So Eduardo is doing one of the has one of the covers. Rod has done one of the covers, and then I'm probably going to reach into the world of 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 some other CG artists to see if I can get another cover made. Um, and then a uh, Townsend on on uh, on the colors. So i uh, these are guys I've been working with for a very long time, and. That we've just really started to hit us you know we've really hit a stride together nice. as a creative team
0: 75 pages of bone crushing kung fu as that's jen right. Fang must survive the maze of shame and pain and a deadly encounter with the metahuman activists division before returning to the jungles of brazil that's right oh that's why she's built like that she's from brazil
1: Hey, you know. I was
0: thinking that that is some strong latex you was wearing on that outfit. <laughs>
1: hey, you know what? That's the beauty of uh, superhero latex. Oh yeah. It sticks in all the right places.
0: Just remember in the real in the real world, uh latex is a privilege, not a right.
1: I don't even want to know.
0: When a, I, I don't play in the a, real world, when when a four hundred pound woman gets into a size five latex outfit, and okay, then goes amen. Clubbing, there we go.
1: Those are facts. Those are absolute facts. You know, it is is absolutely a privilege. I'm on board with that.
0: I'm sorry, ladies, but if you don't know the difference between thick and fat, uh, I'm fat. I will not be wearing latex, and I always wear something a size too big for me <laughs> <laughs> to, to fool myself. And yeah, it looks like I lost a couple of pounds. That's a size 7 shirt. Of course you look like you lost some weight. <laughs> I'm like, oh,
1: yeah, never mind. So, this, so the black and white images are from basically the final issue, the final chapter. Like I said, all the pencils and inks are completed, two-thirds of the colors. Um, it's a really fun part of the journey. Get to do a little bit of journeying into the past, into feudal Japan. Um, and then you start to really unlock some of the history. Uh, that's going on in in the world around a black tiger, so it's it's a fun it's a fun ride. You know, I've been working up to getting to some of this, and now I'm finally starting to tell some of these uh, uh, kind of deeper stories that are in the lore. So I'm excited.
0: It looks so good.
1: Oh man, oh, I appreciate. it. Th-
0: th- th- there's another looking so good panel right
1: there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> Just saying. Got to give the people what they want. A lot of goodness in this book, Will. A lot of goodness. Be awesome.
0: Be eligible for some awesome free stuff when backing.
1: That's right. Got to sign up. You sign up and then you back back, uh, one of the physical tiers. You will get uh, something awesome alongside the books. Some swag. Some swaggy swag. You know, and um, there is also um, Dying of Days did a, an animatic, basically an animation based on um, part of volume one. Um, so I held on to that. I didn't want to kind of release it with 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 a fizzle and with no with no uh, nothing attached to it. <clears throat> but that's that's what that second video was. This is. It's a longer video for folks when they want to check it out. It's a four-minute, basically, it's an excerpt from Black Tiger Hidden Dragon Volume One, and he uh, he animated it. Um, he's exceptionally talented, and um, has uh, voiceover acting by uh, Ali Sengis, um, Amanda B, Arrigan 8, and uh, Dying Days himself.
0: I know all those guys
1: right that's because yeah gals that's because you're in the know i'm in the know yeah very cool that is just sweet yeah i'm very happy and 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 anyone that has um you know backed any of my prior projects uh they know that you know along with along with writing, I'm very much a comic book fight uh, choreographer. You know, I I love and I think this just harkens back to, I think probably Frank Miller Daredevil maybe was the first book that it really just, you know, lit my imagination of really bringing the fights on the page sequentially, you know, to life yeah i've always loved that so i i I always attempt to do that uh in in all the books you know that you know that i get the opportunity to write and create yeah
0: i've got the uh i've got the red leather bound miller uh jansen uh run in the omnibus there oh man and I got really mad because when i got when i got sick back in 2016 and people i didn't know were touching my crap Mm. (laughs) and packing it in yeah they put the daredevil omnibus with the spine up instead of the spine down come on and it tore so
1: oh come on people
0: so at some point uh I'm going to get that repaired professionally because I I spent cover price on that when it came out because I had to have it.
1: Yeah. That's a shame. That's an absolute shame.
0: Although I did
1: come across
0: because I got rid of most of my Daredevil stuff because I had the omnibus. I'm like, well, I can sell some of this stuff because some of it's worth money. Uh, I came across uh, the first appearance of Electra. Oh, did you? Yeah, just, just sitting in my box. And my girlfriend had listed up like a whole bunch of books, had listed like, you know, volumes and numbers and did like all these pictures and everything. Uh, did like a lot of work. I'm, like listening goes, well, that's all well and nice, but do you have this number? And she told me, and I'm like, guaranteed. That's
1: guaranteed.
0: Yeah, guaranteed. This guy's a dealer, and that's a huge key. And he's got a buyer looking for that that's going to pay him top dollar. Yep. So he's going to offer us like 20 bucks for it. I'm like,
1: yeah, Guar. he's trying to see if you have no idea what you have.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, no. Block.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm done with this idiocy. Yeah. No, I'll tell you. So my buddy, my buddy was collecting Daredevil at that time, uh, back during the Miller run. So he had, I would read, so we would, you know, this is when, I mean, we we were getting comics off of the rack at, at the local 7-Eleven and at the Webster's drugstore, which is close to where we live. Yeah. I was picking up, I was picking up Avengers, um, at that time. And around that time, it's kind of like Byrne and Perez were working on Avengers. So it was hot. Oh yeah. Um, My buddy was picking up miller miller's dare Frank miller daredevil and it's funny i wasn't like a big daredevil guy but the story was just so good and it's one of those things like you know you know how like you remember where you were when certain things happened i remember where i was when i read the death of Electra. i was i was in his room him and his brother shared a room i was sitting on his brother's bed in the top bunk because he was on the bottom bunk reading the comics that i had gotten And I was reading it and I was just blown away and I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, no way, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, and the crazy thing back then though was like, so even going to like uh, the drugstore where we got books, they had no consistency in the way they purchased books. So, you know, whoever's purchasing the books, you know, they buy whatever they get. They didn't get the next daredevil. We went to a couple 7-Elevens. We actually found it. But I mean, it was hard work. You know, it it wasn't like today. I mean, it was just like you had to try and find, you know, there were there were a few bookstores in L.A. that and they were kind of like more like newsstandy.
0: Yeah.
1: Period books. So, you know, we ended up uh, getting a ride with his cousin, a whole ordeal, you know, and plus you're going there. You don't even know they're going to have it. You're basically just trolling bookstores and and uh, and newsstands.
0: Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, I found my first comic book store. I ended up working there multiple times, and now I can't go there because uh, they are not handicap accessible. So that and you know modern comics um, when they when they turned Batman into an SJW, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting like three titles. I was getting like Batman and Detective, because I've been collecting them since like 74. Nice. And uh I was getting the UN run of of Hulk, Immortal okay. Hulk. And uh I was getting like oh Justice League Dark. Okay. And you know, that was pretty much it uh gigi says uh john's always welcome on the show had a blast last time that's an awesome team and then he tops it off with this you mean i can't be a a leather daddy in public anymore i don't know we'll 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 get you uh we'll have you get dressed up in leather and you can chase uh chris through that race course (laughs) Do you ever have your kids beat each other up to help carry choreograph the fight scenes?
1: Not on purpose, but it just kind of works out that way.
0: It seems like an extra set of hands could come in use. Right?
1: You know, some, so there is some good choreography in there.
0: What's the most difficult part of your job when you worked at Motown Comics before these guys made Milestone?
1: Well, so chronologically, Motown was actually after Milestone so milestone had already done its thing michael davis whatever i've heard very different stories he was no longer part of that team so then he 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 engages barry gordy and uh convinces him that there are millions of dollars in comics ergo motown animation is formed um i'll tell you one of the toughest things working there was a. I mean, it. So where we worked in 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 downtown, well, it wasn't downtown. It was uh, the La Brea area of Los Angeles. I mean, that was where Motown was. I mean, I saw boys to men over there. Uh, there's this group of kids called ABC back in the day. They're not kids anymore. Um, and I saw those guys over there. I saw coolio okay, came. I mean, he what he did? He did a combo pitch. <laughs> well, wow. That's a story in and of itself. But the ch- biggest challenge actually working there was that whole because um, because it also had that that music business kind of hype and vibe. Yeah. So there's so much pretense. There's so much showmanship, and you know oftentimes you find there wouldn't be much accountability and just a lot of people ranting and raving. And you know there's a lot of stuff rolling downhill in that job. Yeah. So I think the culture, the culture was the toughest part, but like we all wanted to be there so bad. We all wanted that to work out so bad. And it's one of those things, well, and Ginger. it's like, it's kind of like, if I only knew then what I know now, geez, even if my old boss, knew then what he knows now. I think that thing could have been really successful.
0: Instead you were trying to walk around the office knee deep in uh salesman pitch bullshit pretty much. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. And that just it just it's not a, it's not a winning formula. No. You know. And it and it's it's a bad culture. You know you you basically you have a bunch so i mean it's like there's a bunch of musicians there but we're just a bunch of comic book kids yeah we're all we're all just a bunch of, of kids that love comics to the core we're on the you know you know it's it's still early to mid 90s so comics have not hit that bubble yet and there's that irrational exuberance around the purchasing you know so i remember you know, the business plan that my, that my boss had was, I mean, it was predicated on what was going on at the time, you yeah. know, you're going to do, you're going to sell six, you're going to sell six different covers of the same book. Some of them foil editions, some of them, you know, and, and you know, the numbers, the numbers work themselves out to, you know, 500, a million plus units. If you're spawned and, and then, hey that sounds like a great business plan you know so the, so they get on board and you know it takes us a while to get our feet under us by the time we start publishing the bubble's already burst
0: the bu- the bubbles burst Yeah. Uh, but one publisher has stuck with that four to six covers per issue per title dynamite thank you so much
1: yeah yeah dynamite oh man great question jish dynamite has really carved out its own niche yeah and the thing for dynamite to do is just not shoot itself in the foot you know it's like you have to know you have to know who your core audience is and it's not these people that are ranting and raving about oh this you know it's none of those folks so it's like if you want to keep your actual audience you got you got to do the stuff that your audience wants and guess what there's going to be some people that aren't happy with it but you know what at least at one point in america that was okay mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's simple just don't buy it if you don't like it don't buy it and go on your way and if you do like it then buy it you know you don't have to make it you don't have to turn this into a revolution you yeah. know i against mean, somebody.
0: had, had so many people that were like cover hogs like they had to buy they had to buy like every cover which yeah. eventually just drove them out of the, out of the out of collecting they're like it did i've had it there's like six covers for every issue um the shop i worked at uh the owner wouldn't order that many he, he would cut like all the orders you know tight to the vest because it wasn't like the early 90s anymore where where you could order like 500 copies of avengers or uncanny x-men and be sold out before you closed on the first day yeah you know, i mean people buy in like especially when jim jim lee was you know doing x-men people will buy him two three and four copies because it was jim lee
1: it was jim lee yeah it was one of those things where like from a from a dollar standpoint i think younger folks have no idea of like the amount of money that shops were making yeah you know i mean i knew a couple of shop owners that were driving Benzes and I mean like these guys were rolling you know you know not to mention you know what these image guys were making you know you I mean it's like you know you always hear the story of those dudes like even like Dale Keown you know you make a book you can live off that for half a year (laughs) okay peace
0: (laughs) I'm out speaking of Dale he just put up a thing for uh about a month ago so it's probably over now. Uh, but he did a uh, kick in uh, Indiegogo for uh, the whole original pit run. Mm. And then was coming back with brand new pit. And uh, Phil from Zade Comics was supposed to write some of the pit scripts for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm waiting to see how... Uh, that turns out yeah dude buying a bench with comic book money would be so nuts
1: let me so let me tell you a story so when i was a, when i was at motown animation one of the dudes i met uh, and, and became friends with was Murat michaels and Murat was like um i don't know probably kind of like the the number two guy over at image central you know in terms of in terms of art and you know he was kind of the he was like the next golden child yeah so, so they were over in uh, i'll give you guys some some ideas so they're over in an area called anaheim in california and i was over in los angeles which you know maybe that's a 35 minute drive without traffic uh you know hour and a half in traffic maybe depending you know just kind of where we were in la and one day he drove out to me picks me up I, I forgot i mean you gotta understand he was like 20 22 or something like that and he was driving this i want to say it was like some kind of like mazda sports edition z i mean this was a nice ride man this was a nice ride we went we went riding up uh to uh, Golden Apple uh comics, which was you know kind of up up La Brea and uh more towards Hollywood and you know, it was just like you felt like for people that were in the know, comic book folks were were like were stars. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were making really good money. The challenge was the sustainability of the model because it wasn't it wasn't really built on growing the market but it was it was built on just something that just fatigued folks that were buying books you know i never had i never had the budget to play those games so i had a friend like you know and i, I bought my my more than my fair share of image books but he would buy like six versions of each And then he'd have a version that he'd read but then you have a version that would remain mint you know so people really took it like they were investing you know and when people spend that kind of money and then they start finding that they don't understand the economics as to why the old comics are valuable they think that these new comics where there a million of them have been printed right Mm -hmm. are going to be valuable and then as it started to become apparent that that wasn't the case man I was just like, uh, you know, it was was bad news. It's bad news for the comic industry. It's like those old books are worth money Mm -hmm.
0: because there's hardly any of them left around. That's right. Or at least in good shape.
1: Right, exactly.
0: I'm sure in somebody's garage or basement, uh, there's probably uh, boxes and cases of... uh, the books with the covers ripped off so they could send the covers back to them and get credit from the you know from their distributor and not have to pay for them
1: uh, well i used to cut into my own comics because you get coupons for things mm-hmm. you know so i forgot i sent in i forgot some of the things i sent in for but it's like you know they'd have little advertisements you could cut in and you know that may take up that may take up. You know a part of the panel on the opposite side of the page oh yeah you know, away from you you know when you do that so it was i mean and it was on newsprint you know like even now like i was uh i have had i'm in a place now where i'm buying graphic novels of books that i already own because like like my my crisis on infinite earth the original one i can't open it anymore it's like parchment i mean it's like literally falling apart and turning yellow so i mean it's like i've just kind of sealed them and then i bought myself a you know a, a graphic novel version you know of that and i'm finding that with a lot of my books like my burn <clears throat> my burn fantastic four i can no longer read those so i started having to you know get these those visionary graphic novels with, with the best burn best
0: run of ff minus the king yeah that burn run
1: yeah that burn run is, I mean, it's exactly, I mean, that made FF the greatest comic in the world again.
0: Yeah.
1: Flat out. And now, so that's, so for those of the, for those that haven't, uh, you know, taken the uh, opportunity to read that, that's worth, you know, buying in graphic novel form, and it'll be a number of graphic novels, because he had a few years. Yeah, so
0: there's, there's like a few omnibuses, or I think they've already got like Two of the burn omnibuses out or oh five.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Um, so my co-host for uh the boomer show where we go through and do old comics. And uh he gets he lives in uh rural Georgia, so there's really it's like an hour and a half drive to like the closest shop mm-hmm. near him. So he oh. orders all this stuff through discount comic book service online.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: When they first solicit a trade or an omnibus, that's why he buys through them because he's basically buying as if he was his own store.
1: Hey, that's pretty cool.
0: That's the price break you get. You get like 40 to 60% off. And when they release another big trade or omnibus uh through the first through the first listing of it, uh-huh. You can get it for half price. Oh. Jeez. Um Now, he noticed uh, a couple of months ago they were releasing an amazing run and it's it's volume 5 of this series for Uncanny. But it's Second Genesis, so it starts with Giant-Size X-Men number 1 and goes from that landmark issue through that entire arc in this book it's listed for about fifty dollars uh we we paid 30. so
1: dude that's awesome
0: that's awesome uh jim says yeah because we were talking about this the other night too on monday when he stopped by uh the draw stream uh, yeah, I'm trying to decide which OG omnibus I should pick up first FF X Men or uh, ASM, as far as FF goes. Uh, they both have to be Lee, Kirby, and Burn as separate volumes, so I'm not sure where to start there. Well, if you need to have Lee and Kirby, it's always usually best to start at the beginning. FF. So get the very first one you get and in that volume you get the first appearance of galactus silver surfer Mm -hmm. um dr doom golly oh oh my god um and uh the mole man the mole man um and uh oh god why is it slipping my mind? Because i got so excited about it it went uh oh black panther yeah and uh, oh, it's just—it's just so amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean the level—the level of freedom and creativity. I mean, and those guys. And the thing is, and the pace at which those stories travel. I mean, they're just—they're unencumbered, man. Oh, I you know. know, you go from the center of the earth to Latveria to. to You know.
0: Oh, let's also not forget one of my favorite characters—the very first Hulk thing battle.
1: Man, and that, and so this man, this monster. This man, this monster, and then, and that. So I, so the first time I read that, I had one of those. um, What was the name of that uh, book that Marvel put out? But it was a collection of some of their great stories from this. it wasn't just the 60s there was like there was like some 70s Spider-Man stories in there but like I remember because it was a two-parter mm-hmm. and I read that and I was just like and that fight that the that thing and the Hulk had It's like I was never a big fan of the thing but man I I was like man I got a lot of love for Ben Gribb. you know he's got a lot of heart
0: I became a fan of the thing through the cartoon Mm. And then in the 70s, where they took Johnny Storm out of the cartoon and gave us that stupid robot, Herbie.
1: Oh gosh.
0: Now Herbie to me was just an offspring of Seven Zark Seven from Gutcha Man.
1: There you go. There you go. And I'm like and, and he basically filled the same role. I mean, Seven Zark Seven was killing time <clears throat> from the cartoon when when the real gotcha were like killing folks they didn't want to show that yeah.
0: yeah we can't we can't show that um, yeah you, you can see it in the actual Gutcher man series but you're not going to see that in g
1: that's right so and and likewise i think i think the whole controversy was the flame
0: yeah you they know. were afraid some kid was going to set himself on fire i go well have you gotten a call at corporate to tell you that uh somebody's parents were suing you because they read a Fantastic Four comic and their five-year-old wanted to be the torch, so he set himself on fire. No. Why? Because it was the 60s and 70s. Yeah. We weren't as stupid as the kids today. Seriously. You had to, you've, you just need they, this is what we need to do. We need to have all these companies take warning labels off of everything. <laughs> Uh, like a like a stand-up comedian that I'm a, a fan of, he goes. When I was growing up, uh, we didn't have any stupid kids. You know what happened to them? They died. They didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to make fun of your friends and give them nicknames.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously, exactly.
0: He was like, he was, uh, our friend Niner. We don't climb the trees. And one day, Niner fell out of a tree, hit every branch on the way down, uh, and lost two-thirds of his uh, ring finger on his right hand. Mm-hmm. And the following day, he came in with his hand all wrapped up the size of a catcher's mitt, and we started doing fractions. And Niner raised his hand and said, I got nine point two. Two five fingers. <laughs> so he was it was Niner, and Niner's name was actually Ross. <laughs> and the but teacher was- the teacher is taking attendance and calls Ross, and no answer, no,
1: oh, answer. no response.
0: <laughs> and I looked at Niner. I go, Niner, is your name Ross? <laughs> yeah. And then he addresses the teacher. Goes, only my mother calls me Ross. Everybody else calls me Niner. Why, and then he held up his he held up both hands and saw the fingers. Yeah. And every day he used to. Uh, they, had, they had another friend that uh, had like an arm that was short, kind of like a T-Rex arm. Yeah. And then like a, a normal length arm. Uh, they called him Clock. There you go. <laughs> and he used to come in. You're supposed to be in your seats at 9 a.m. or by 9:05 a.m. And and he would come in one hand straight up one just slightly accrued to the to the clock <laughs> and they we would laugh for 20 minutes every day. Yeah. It was funny.
1: That's a, it's a different day and age, man. Oh yeah. It's an absolutely different day and age. Oh, you know. My God. And it's not doing people any favors.
0: No, no. It's it's making them worse. Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. this girl addressing complaints on like one of her videos that she was telling the truth on and uh we're going to uh really quickly throw this nsfw warning up there as she responded to the complaint on her video she says oh my god Do you know there's over 8,000 nerve endings in the clip? How are you more sensitive than that?
1: Uh, That probably wasn't well received.
0: Uh, It was by me. I shared it like 12 times. Yeah. So you've also got the... uh, Magna and the posse still up on Indiegogo too, right?
1: I do. I do. I still have uh Magna and the Posse up. My intention um is to probably well I want to start using Fun My Comic. I haven't used that yet. Mm-hmm. Um so I may just leave that up there and then and then uh open up um some pages on Fun My Comic um for some of those properties as well still trying to kind of figure out my strategy in that regard
0: and here it is
1: but here it is here it be the very campaign that put Chris into address that's right thanks to you my friend
0: I backed the current library on the digital side Mm-hmm. Which made Chris Sugar Chris have to open up the red dress he ordered off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then then he started stripping down and putting on the red dress on stream.
1: Brother, brother, he just needed a special occasion. That's mm-hmm. all. He just needed and, and you gave him what he needed, which was a special occasion to get in that red dress. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: So, Magnet and the Posse is in demand. Three graphic novels, two story arcs, one universe. That's right. And one
1: hot ass ginger girl. See? Ginge knows. Ginge knows, man. (laughs) I've never had, I've never thrown any shade or hate that way. Never, 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 never. Nope. Never, 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 never.
0: Uh, I throw a lot of shade at Hollywood with their war on gingers.
1: They have a war on a lot of things right now though. Yeah, you they're kind
0: of, but when you, when, you start, when you stop battles on every front,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it's only a matter of the time before you crash and burn.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seem to be waging, maybe I shouldn't go there, but it to be waging a war against heterosexuality as well. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, to me, they just need to lose a lot of money that's the only way that's the only way there'll be any kind of impact. They just need to lose a lot of money.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Bud Light started them off.
1: Wow. And they're still taking it on the chin, which is awesome. Yeah. You I know?
0: Understand how Bud Light likes
1: it. But once again, it comes down to understanding who your actual customers are. Yep. And if somebody that isn't in your customer base is chirping, who cares? Yep. Why, why do you care? You have people that are self-righteous. That's true, Ginch. And this is actually, so Ginch hit on a hit on a great point. It's true. And the, but the problem is when you have a very, um, a, a very like select minority of folks that are being really loud, and then people are kind of clamoring behind it. There's so much smoke and mirrors, and there's so much noise. They're making they're making it sound like it's kind of like when, when Indiana Jones yelled and chased those guys. until yep. so they figured out he was by himself. It's kinda of, kind of like that. <laughs> you know, it's like you hear all this noise and you realize that you know what? There there isn't all of this um, they don't have all this backing and everything shows it because there's no dollars going behind any of that stuff. Nope. There's no purchasing power behind any of that stuff because the people aren't there. You know, you can, you can bot things to death. There's, there's all kinds of ways to, to generate activity online, but you can't bot purchases. You, you, you can't, you can't bought dollars. You know, that's why it's hitting a lot of folks in the wallet and I'm glad, good, hit them in the wallet, you know, let them, let them reconsider this nonsense
0: his girlfriend described him as a different species because he's covered in freckles. Yes. Well, tell her she can fix that problem. She just has to lick off all the freckles.
1: There you go. Tell her to get busy. Literally. Yeah. Literally.
0: Literally. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, it's a 90s slang reference. Look out.
1: Right? I, I mean, I bet you I'm sure, like, what does that even mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> she already is busy what do you mean she's got work that's that's one thing will especially having like younger kids like so all the so like words okay words that meant one thing you know now they now they mean another thing you know to these kids and and it, it astounds me so like like They'll be talking and I'm like, you know, what are you talking about? You know, so like, oh, here's a, here's a prime example. So I, I coach my oldest son's basketball team and like this one kid made a move another kid made a shot and he's like, Hey, you ate that. So to me, I was like, listen, if you eat it, that means like, you know, that was bad. Like you ate crap. You went, you ate it. You know, if that dude fell down, he ate it. These guys are like, oh no, you ate that. That was good, you know. Though you ate that, and I'm like, no, I'm 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 too old for your lingo.
0: Now I know what you're yeah.
1: saying, but I still don't receive it. I don't accept. Yeah, Wait, like, I don't. Accept. We used to say, oh,
0: that's bad, man, which yeah. meant good. Yeah. Uh, now apparently, according to my 15 year old daughter, um, that's not a thing anymore. But like, I'll send her pictures of stuff. Uh, to look at and she'll be like oh that's silly
1: so so I'm ging like- just said that his girlfriend is black i gotta tell you ging my so one of my friends he has the most beautiful daughters on the planet and their hair is not they are their hair is not dyed so he's black is his uh girl is white and she's blonde but i guess her family had a lot of redheads in there mm-hmm and man, those girls are they they have like this olive color skin and they got I mean like red Sonia red wavy hair. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: Well you never it's, know. It's, it's you never as long know. as they come out with Morgan Freeman's paycheck. Uh seriously. You know. Man, <laughs> I'm so old when Morgan Freeman was on the electric company.
1: Easy, easy reader. Easy. easy reader. Reader. Yep. Thank you. That's that's still my first whenever I see Morgan Freeman, I still think easy reader because he was so cool. He had this giant afro. And I mean, I was just like, he's easy reader. I think even even in, uh they did those little Spider-Man shorts. Yeah. With the live action Spider-Man. I think there was even one. And I may just be making this up in my mind just because I wanted to. But I think there was one with Spider-Man and Easy Reader. And I was like, this has to be the coolest ever.
0: I used to watch every episode of The Electric Company and then be totally disappointed because there was no Spider-Man.
1: If there was no Spider-Man at the end, I wasn't happy. He
0: said, better than Morgan Freeman's voice coming out of the womb.
1: Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a horror film.
0: All of a sudden, your baby starts, you know, narrating daily... Daily life, like uh, he's doing that documentary.
1: That's horrific. Please no. <laughs> Please no. Don't do that. <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: Look, father, stop poking me in the forehead.
1: It's like, was that our child? <laughs> Put that thing back.
0: <laughs> His voice is so deep. <laughs> It's a girl. Oh my lord.
1: Okay, now we got problems. <laughs> Houston. We got, we got
0: a got problem. Problems. So, mm-hmm. I remember talking to uh one of the creators, his uh his YouTube channel is uh Sweetcast.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um he had taken a bunch of books. That were like some of his favorite runs of like, you know, old Spider-Man and various other, you know, titles. Yeah. And found that company online that if you design the front cover, the back cover, and the spine of the book, and you fill out all the all the paperwork online, and you ship them your physical copies. What? And they build you your own custom omnibus what and because the old books all were newsprint yep so they trim them and everything and put them together so everything lays perfect and because it's newsprint that 500 page book every page lays perfectly flat
1: oh snap
0: and it's still cheaper than buying a brand new omnibus on the marvel or
1: that's crazy and Man. Man. I,
0: it was just uh, heartbreaking the other week because I've almost put back together my complete run of ROM Space Night.
1: Oh, I have a lot of that.
0: And Micronauts. I didn't have just that. Just to find out, I had the toys. I had lots of the toys.
1: I had some of the toys. My buddy had a lot of the toys. I had some of the Micronauts. They were dope. I loved them. Um,
0: to find out uh that later this year marvel is releasing a rom omnibus and multiple collectability versions of a micronauts omnibus really yep that's a surprise so i will keep my my minty fresh number ones from both of those series Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just put the rest up for sale i'm like here you go, one big stack. How yeah. much? I don't know. hundred bucks.
1: Rom was crazy. That that book was. I mean, at least for me at that time, it was it was a fun story, but it was dark. It was, it not, was dark. dark. Not dark yeah. the way right now. I mean, dark dark now often is. I don't know. It's just like shock value. But yeah. But Rom was was well written, and I I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> oh no.
0: they had they had like top-notch guys on that yeah you know yeah and i'm I'm still trying to find a decent price because back in the day marvel did the original planet of the eights run to coincide with the cartoon Mm -hmm. cartoon only lasted one season so the comic only lasted 11 issues gotcha and they've got it in an omnibus but it's only 11 issues but they want like $75 for I they go no that's way too much. Yeah. So I mean now I'm only 9 issues short of having the entire uh floppy run.
1: Which doesn't okay. sound like
0: a lot until you realize oh you just said you only have two two issues. Right. <laughs> well, according to my girlfriend I have way more than two issues.
1: Yeah, like I got a lot of issues. <laughs> I, got,
0: I got a lot of issues,
1: man. I got a lot. Of issues. <laughs> i was thinking about what you were saying about those omnibuses. i mean man um another another run that i really enjoyed was john Byrne's alpha flight run oh yeah and that that really coincides with the x-men run um my understanding was when vindicator died the whole point was was wolverine was supposed to go back and take over but i guess he'd become so popular at that point in the x-men that, uh, that they didn't do that.
0: Well, there was that, and there was a, uh, all the Canadian law enforcement was out for him. Yeah. So it was like- That's problematic. You you can go back there, but yeah. now, is there extradition? How are they gonna find you? Yeah. <laughs> How are they gonna keep cuffs on you? Schnicked. Schnicked. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this guy with his uh, with his sword taking the head of the dragon.
1: Hey, I couldn't or, use schnick so shunk? So, yep, schnicked is a trademark.
0: Yeah, oh, and then
1: there she is. and then just uh, you know, just in terms of uh, just the quality of the stories that were written back there. I mean, even with Chris, Chris Claremont's run on on X Men, I had. Uh, the original when they did the miniseries so like the wolverine four issue miniseries yeah that was amazing chris claremont wrote that and frank miller did the art and and since chris claremont basically was writing everything that was x-related it was all intertwined yep and it wasn't
0: just all action there was so much character development in in all of his stories no matter what they were
1: yeah exactly and who was who was the editor in chief at that time? Oh, His name just right now Shooter. Man, Jim Shooter, that dude does not get enough credit. That young kid at the time, <laughs> Jim Shooter, does not get enough credit. You yep. know, I uh, no, you know, and I understand he he was maybe somewhat of a taskmaster, but I'll tell you, he kept that universe in check. He kept it. He was just like, no, this is you know, this is how we keep the. know kind of keep the x-men focused keep you know these you know so when you look back at the runs you look back at the work you're like that was an amazing era in comics the jim shooter era was amazing
0: yeah and when they when marvel uh gave him his papers uh he went out and started defiant comics yeah uh and uh right around that same time uh neil was like goes well jim can do it i sure sure as hell can do it so neil neil started his own uh publishing uh, house too with like you know all original material that's right uh i'm trying to get both of those runs back together because i used to have them all well
1: Maybe. was was one of neil's books was a shuriken or was it I'm trying to remember
0: Something like that. Wait, was, was, his, was, his,
1: was his Eclipse? Was Eclipse his? Nope. Eclipse was Marvel. Oh, that was Marvel. That was um, just... Neil's
0: right, right. was continuity.
1: That's what it was, continuity.
0: Because that is, as we know, sorely lacking in a lot of the, the big two books.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. that that
0: uh... Where's the continuity of this story? He goes, oh, well, that's just a crossover between a couple of different planets in the multiverse. Yeah. Like uh
1: too big of a cop out.
0: And and the multiverse like DC was the one that had the big big multiverse back in the day, which is why they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Which uh I actually have the slipcase edition of that. Do you? I have the era slipcase edition of that because the sub story uh with the evil guy that turned into the sort of a good guy, Pariah. Yeah. Like the whole story that followed him and Harbinger and stuff mm-hmm. um, was at the bottom of the pages. And mm-hmm. they they screwed up the original print run of that book. And they, they put the same panel uh, twice in a row in the mm. book. And they're like, okay, well, we found this error, so uh, if you have bought one of these, here's the address, mail it back, we'll mail you a certificate, and when the uh, when the corrected ones come out, we'll mail it back to you. I'm like, oh, hell no.
1: <laughs> You're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, sir.
0: I know what errors are worth. That's right. And I'm like nope 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 nope
1: that's funny
0: and that had just started coming out when i when i first discovered my first ever comic shop okay so i started going to an lcs right around that time mm-hmm. ended up doing you know some some filing and pricing for the guy enough to get you know like 10 12 worth of books You know, a week, and that's where I discovered Daredevil too. And the Mm. guy was like, "Well, I already know you're a huge Batman fan. Daredevil is basically Marvel's Batman. Yeah, Batman's a punching bag, or at least he used to be. Now nobody can land a hit on him. I was about to say he's
1: untouchable now.
0: It's like, it's like a three-year-old is writing the book now. Um, Yeah." And uh and then I discovered that. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. And then I started buying just any book that would come out, I would buy everything because I had to know what was going on and everything. Right. So my bank account suffered through thirty five years of me having FOMO. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, don't you care what's going No, don't care. I'm done
1: stories aren't riveting anymore and and everything that's done is going to be undone yep you know i remember so the first i was going to say comic shop but that's not true so the basically the first precursor to a comic shop i used to go to was this place called book book village and yep. they they were basically a bookstore but the whole front the whole front of the book of the bookstore was comics so they had it was the first time I didn't just see books on a couple of spinner racks. There were a couple of places I go to have a couple of spinner racks, but, like, I mean, they had a wall with shelves of books. And then they had bins for back issues of comics. And I remember, I think, one of the first series I picked up there, because since they were so consistent, you knew you were always going to get the next issue of whatever. Um, I was going there, and New Mutants came out. And I started oh, collecting New Mutants from number one. And the whole thing is, like, I remember me and my buddy, we we left school and we were excited to go over there. And we were like, he told me about New Mutants. I didn't know anything about it. So I, he's like, listen, he's like, this is going to be our generation of X-Men. You know? And he was yep. like, basically, you know, these guys, you know, it's like the X-Men will get older, these will be our X-Men. I was like, this is so cool. You know, but of course, nobody matures. And, in these books but um you know they had the chance and i honestly i think shooter was aiming for that i think he i think he had much more of a of a japanese model of character development and and i i I can understand from a corporation's perspective they don't want that you know they don't want they don't want generations of batman they want bruce wayne Mm -hmm. you know they're not interested in batman dick grayson becoming batman and maybe the next person you know and bruce wayne being old they don't want any of that no you know it's nice for it's nice for a one-off show like batman beyond but but you have to have young bruce wayne
0: except now we have a perfectly aged michael keaton
1: yes yeah but i think i think i think they already um i think they all well ready shelf that she lost yeah. it because of how bad The Flash did.
0: Yep. Um, not taking into... Not taking anything into, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, price increases and, in, uh, you know, in the worth of the dollar. Um, somebody posted today that, uh, what a world, outdid The Flash at the box office. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs>
1: Oh,
0: no. Uh oh. She's writing a monologue for the baby in the womb. Yeah, That one mom pulled out her book and I had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says he stopped buying new comics in like 2020, 2021. I'm only interested in going back and learning the history and what created the thing that we all love in the first place
1: mm-hmm
0: that's that's a big thing like i know there's a lot of cg fans that never read any comics prior to cg for the most part
1: right right
0: um so if you mention like mainstream they they start getting you know microaggressions and everything and i'm like the only reason these guys are doing this is because they did other stuff beforehand with legacy characters that's right it's like what uh joseph michael lindsner is to the covers of dynamite
1: oh my goodness
0: is what ethan van schreiber used to be to the covers of dc right i mean even when they relaunched and did like new 52 that evs sig was on i'd say like 40 percent of the covers
1: yeah yeah
0: and another one to really, you know, kick him in the can is uh, some of Art Germ's earliest work was doing the first few covers on the new 52 Captain Adam series.
1: Mm. That I didn't know.
0: I was like, the art on these is so good. And then I realized, I go, wait a minute. This looks something like that and I mm. looked at him like yep really so it was like uh like four or five issues like in the beginning of the run I think there was one he didn't do and then he came back and did like two more so it was like maybe like one through 3 skips 4 and did like 5 and 6 or something like that okay yeah EBS uh John Green Lantern was something I read back in the day and it blew me away Ivan Rice was the colorist and he's one of my favorites still today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got so upset because EBS was booked at a show here in mass. And I had met him like years prior at uh, Boston comic-con before it became fan expo. Uh, why did it become fan expo? Because they don't give a damn about the comics. They're just there to cash in on celebrities.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's a pop culture venue. It's not a comic con.
1: Pop culture.
0: Um, but he was supposed to be an artist guest. And they put like the artist guests in like this tiny back room. Um, they had uh, Ramona Frieden, who was one of the original Wonder Woman artists there. Mm-hmm. And she was doing like various sketches. And even to this, she was like, this was like 15 years ago and and the work that the, the the art she was doing like like right in front of me that day i'm like she hasn't she hasn't like lost the beat of course it wow. was a sweet aquaman and Mira piece that i would have loved to get uh but i couldn't justify spending uh 500 on a scale oh yikes yeah um kevin eastman was in that same room uh couple of a couple of other guys were there um and uh a couple of the old time guys uh joe sanat was there okay and i do have original art from joe oh really somewhere i've got uh a sketch he did of the original huntress Mm. and i've also got her first appearance in two different books I was hoping maybe if I mushed them together really well together, they might make like a 7.0 instead of a 3.5. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I had that book when I was a kid. So I, I bought, you know, I bought a couple of them. Yeah. But you know, it's the the reason for this whole fandom and the love of all this is because of the legacy characters we grew up on.
1: Amen. All truth. we,
0: all we knew was, uh, you know, Marvel DC, uh, and if you're a little older, you know, Charlton and older than that would be Fawcett. And the whole the whole sneaky thing that DC did was buy out Fawcett so yeah. they could so they could own the original Captain Marvel. Because as he's known today, Shazam was out selling every Superman issue. Mm. So they just needed to take him off the market. They did a thing in the '70s with them. I've got a bunch of those issues. I've got a couple of the like the oversized issues. Yeah. I actually almost three years ago, I interviewed Jackson Bostwick, who played the original Captain Marvel on the Saturday morning TV show. We. I still get comments on that on that stream to this day, and it was like over three years ago. I've got like over four thousand uh, views on it. Oh, wow. Now, if any of my other videos would get four thousand views, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> Instead, I just had my girlfriend sign into uh, YouTube and uh, let it let it play with it with it muted down on one of my categories. So your view is just going up. Uh huh. Yep. I know. Yep. That's what's uh, happening. That's what's yep. So. I noticed you have another stream to get to.
1: Uh, I do, so I'm going to be on with uh, with Dojo.
0: And there was a there was a big question that is in the ad of that stream. Should the big guys back the little guys? Well, ninety percent of the ninety eight percent of the time, the big guys don't know who the hell you are. Yeah. Even if you've made it on like EBS's show, they they don't know who you are. Uh, I will I will bring up uh, Rob the Replicator mm-hmm. from that infamous night when uh, Ethan didn't even realize he was there. He goes, "Wait, Rob's here." <laughs> oh, so you're you're a writer, huh? No, I'm an artist. Oh, okay. Anyhow, nice to see you. <laughs> He's
1: like dunk on it my moment is gone
0: don't no, go rock straight show guys john if you want to come on my show uh i'll hit you up and we'll find a date for you bro
1: yeah no doubt no doubt i would definitely do that
0: well thanks for uh thanks for joining us and uh we'll keep plugging it out when uh when does the new volume
1: go live great question we're pretty far along in the production process what i'm trying to do now is just garner uh hopefully some pre-launch interest um i don't know honestly i mean i just don't know what that exactly is going to look like you know i'm I'm hoping to have a a good amount of folks on board ahead of time Mm -hmm. and hopefully not allow us to you know have some traction when we launch but you know those things are a lot easier said than done so right now what i'm doing is i'm plotting along with the production because one of the things I've always—I um, don't know—I've I, I, always known that it's a risk for folks to purchase books from crowdfunding. So I wanted to take at least one of the risk factors away. And that risk factor is that the book doesn't get produced. You know, so all my campaigns either the books were fully produced or they were so close to being produced you could feel comfortable. And that's where we are with Black Tiger. It's it's. It's it's mostly produced. I mean, it's all the pencils and inks, two thirds of the colors, and a, a third of the letters. So I mean, a lot of the heavy lifting is already done in that book. Um, so what I'll probably do is keep the list open, uh, you know, just continue to circulate, and then also concurrently just continue to to work on the art, so that I would love to have the book absolutely in the can <clears throat> before launching, but uh, that may not be the case. But at least by the time being a place where I feel comfortable that by the time the campaign is over, that the books will be, um, you know, in the can, you know, and and I'm hoping that that there's some appreciation for that. You know, I mean, it's like I know I back things that had a lot of following and I still haven't gotten a peep about that stuff. (laughs) You know. It's like they some of these some of these things have had my money so long I forgot I backed them.
0: Here here here's a pun in a dig. Some campaigns make you want to go to war.
1: Man, yeah, let's go. <laughs>
0: Did he just say war campaign? I don't think so. Uh oh. oh <laughs> That's not what it said. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, I know there's uh like with everything that's been going on for like the last few years there's like, you know, paper shortages or businesses that you were supposed to go through closed down. And by the time you get everything together, uh, I know passion had this problem that basically the, uh, the shipping costs more than doubled from the close of his campaign to now. And they went through so many problems, but now people are, you know, getting antsy. I talked to, I talked to him all the time over on TikTok, and the, the, the the brothers, uh, Zaid were uh, a little myth that Passion was talking to me about the book uh, shipping and not them. I'm like, well, you know, I got to hunt stuff down to know what's going on because I'm old and I sleep through the day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know he's getting money in and circulating around. And they're trying to until they're all out, he's trying to get like 20 or 30 a, a day mailed. Then he's got work and he just moved and everything else. Yeah, uh, I know I'm waiting. Uh, Aria just uh is just sending out his uh tailless mm-hmm. yep. to uh yep. to US backers now, all the UK backers got it, and it looks fantastic.
1: Yeah,
0: um. And there's like, a, there's like a, a few other books I've got, you know, I've got coming in. But yeah, I get like, I want them in because I want to read them. But I also get nervous for some creators because if, if you take so long, like back in like the late 80s, early 90s with indie stuff, if something looked really, really good, you'd get a bunch of people. I want to get more of this I want to get more of this and then it was like a year before they can put out like another issue
1: mm, yeah, and yeah,
0: sometimes yeah. you know it's not like now like you're putting out 76 pages yeah that that's a graphic novel yeah. and you know so that that's a lot different because that's you know that's like four. Well, that's actually like five issues of Marvel and DC.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. Twenty take, pages and seven pages of in-house ads. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you take out the ads,
0: um, you know, so there's there's a there's a lot going on with some of these campaigns, and they're like some of them are huge, like uh, like Mavericks from uh, from Global Frequency. Yeah, and I mean that book, that whole thing was fantastic, um, and they. They did uh, what Ripa's doing right now, where every x amount of every x amount of books they sold, they donated to uh, service men and women because mm. it's important for them to get mail, you know, around the country and you know especially if they're stationed like overseas, right, right. You know, something to take their mind off the situation they're in, and uh, I guess Ripa did it where people could. Buy a double shot and donate one of the books and and all rip his, uh extra copies that were donated are all going to comics for kids that's cool so uh last count uh they had had over 900 issues donated from from the fans so
1: that's so cool
0: you know that 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 hits home big with me i know i've got lots of friends that are uh you know ex-military and i've got a friend um who was former marine and he's been dressing up as one form or another of Batman for over 25 years oh wow he visits all the kids hospitals the cancer wards to you know try to make a bright spot in their day yeah, yeah. and when when he does the cons he always gets hooked up with somebody doing some kind of fundraiser for for military personnel or or for kids so you know put his best foot forward so
1: that's the way to do it you know so you know that's the way to do it we're the the thing that's so amazing with just the the uh the industry especially the indie industry is it's it's being redefined feels like every day
0: yeah Um, you know it's only a matter of years now i think until the NDs are the mainstream.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, it's gonna be the go-to source because they, they don't want the same story told over and over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, I concur. You, you
0: hear me, Marvel? One, one <laughs> more day. How many times did you need to redo one more day or give everybody in the Marvel universe spider powers?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the rehashing is absurd.
0: So I want to thank you very much.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: You're welcome. Uh, Say howdy to Dojo for me.
1: I'll definitely do that.
0: Just tell him B-Rose was talking smack about
1: (laughs) (laughs) it. I'll get him fired up.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Make sure you go check out uh, Beyond Time Inc. on Twitter. That's right. Uh, There's links there for the sign-up page, which is in the chat.
1: Sign up. Sign up.
0: Sign up. I just did awesome uh, and uh if you go go to his twitter page right to the bio there's the link for the open source store on Inst- igg for some of the older titles that you can still get That's right and the sign up for the new one so go check it out and uh i'm, I'm gonna go read some uh beyond time inc because that's right you got some
1: magnet to read
0: i got i got some definitely magnet to read. Yeah, I, I might be stuck staring at certain pictures, but
1: <laughs> I had no judgment here. It is what it is. <laughs> hey, it's uh, the love of the ginger. Oh yeah. So have a great night. Uh, we'll
0: talk to you soon, and uh, go check out these books.